0: We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get fucking like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 24 of the pod joined now by Matt Rooney. Matt, plenty to talk about today. Uh, an exciting day. One of the more exciting days in Chicago sports history, history yesterday. A lot going on. Bears. Uh, Hawks out to a gangbuster start. Cubbies taking control of the series. So plenty to talk about. We'll get our locks of the week. Uh, I'm still over on that one, but uh, you know it, you're due. It's got, you're due. I, I'm due. And when the when the well breaks, it, it, it'll really we'll have we'll have a full on geyser. So you that, keep telling yourself that you guys can jump on board. Uh, luckily, I have given up actually allocating money to those bets. So these are just meaningless bets. Take that as you may. Um, but we're gonna kick things off with what I think. Uh, I guess it could be argued, but what I think was my main story of the weekend: Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears last night on Monday Night Football can't come out with a win, but Bears fans get their first glimpses at uh, at what hopefully will be the quarterback of the future. Matt,
1: didn't it? I mean, didn't it seem last night like everybody was playing with a little bit more of a renewed sense of like uh, rejuvenation, a little bit of confidence? The defense early on was until I think Timu was went down, and they got down to their fifth string middle linebacker. It yeah. like everybody really. It seemed like the defense was flying around a little bit more. Special teams. Pat O'Donnell was, you know, uh, putting the Vikings inside their own ten just about every time. Trey McBride looked like he might be mm-hmm. Trubisky's favorite weapon to go find. If it wasn't for that terrible pass interference yeah. call, maybe it's a different game. But it just seemed like the entire team had a renewed sense of like swagger, rejuvenation, confidence, fun. You know, wanting to play football.
0: Yeah, and it, that could be expected when, when you're yeah, bringing a new quarterback and there's this much talk about it. But that's an artificial excitement. You've got to find a way to create that excitement within because when it's Trubisky week five and that luster has worn off and you're just playing football, these guys got to be able to rally around him still, not because he's new and fresh, but because he's a solid quarterback. And I really think – that we saw some good things out of him yesterday. You hate to see that late interception, a terrible decision. I, you, you saw what he was trying to do there, but it either had to be a touch ball over the top, mm-hmm. or he had to tuck it and take three yards. He even said after it was him trying to do much, to do too much, and that's exactly what it was. But aside from that, great on the run. Uh, he, we saw him tuck it. When he needed to, we saw him hit some short routes, some intermediate routes. What we did not see is they did not give him. Gase didn't give him the green light to let one rip downfield. Maybe he did. And he, he put a couple, didn't, you know, longer he just ones didn't on take the run. A shot. But yeah, he didn't take yeah. through like you know go routes down the field. Yeah, so you, you'd love to see that. But um, how would you grade Matt Mitch Trubisky's uh, first start as a Chicago Bear? Yeah,
1: you know, I'm I'm going to go with. I'm in like round right around B B plus. I know the numbers weren't quite there, the rating wasn't there. the The injury or not the injury, the interception at the end was was uh like you said not not a good decision at all. But for the most part, especially early on, he was doing everything he needed to do to move the Bears downfield, and his teammates around him just kind of kept shooting themselves in the foot. But it was yeah. holding penalties or maybe even the officials made a couple bad calls there. I thought the the Jordan Howard hold or the Wheaton Hold on the Howard touchdown run was a terrible call. I thought the pass interference on, on Trey McBride was a terrible call. But for the most part, I thought early on in most of the game, he played fine given who was around him. And I think for what we were told about whether or not he's ready, from what I expected to see, I, I was very encouraged and surprised. Not not so much surprised, I guess, but encouraged and um, intrigued, I guess, by, by the growth that the potential of the growth that we see with him going forward. So I'm going to go with a B. You're gonna give him a B. Yeah,
0: uh, that that stat line twelve for twenty five hundred twenty eight yards, one touchdown, one interception doesn't tell the whole story. No, I had I had him at a B. Also, I got to knock him down to a B minus C plus with that interception. Fair. I know you're a rookie. I know it's your first start, but if the expectation is to win football games, divisional football games, then you know you got to be held accountable for that type of thing. So I was really excited and really happy just to see the way he carried himself on the field because he looked confident. There was no Jay shrugging the shoulders, taking your helmet off at the hashes. He looks like a kid who's willing to learn. He's still a little wide-eyed. I mean, if you look at him, he still, he still looks like it's all coming at him 100 miles an hour, but that's to be expected. But he he showed the foundations of what could be a really solid, I think, NFL quarterback. He's got all the tools, all the intangibles. They need to surround him with the right um, with the right pieces because it's obvious. I mean, we talked about it for the last three, four podcasts leading up to this as people called for Trubisky to co- come into the game. He's not going to be a cure-all. He does not have a magic wand. And, and until you get him pieces, there's only going to be a run game and Mitch Trubisky trying to make subpar receivers look good. That, yeah, that's that, gonna uh, be. I'm
1: glad you touched on that because the, that was a huge thing last night. He, just, he has nobody besides Zach Miller. I'll give Zach Miller some credit. I think he's a very good tight end in the NFL. Besides him, there is really just nobody to throw to.
0: Well, Marcus it, it, Wheaton
1: can't catch his football. Gruden even Bryant, said guess, it has some some separation skills, but he's you know been bouncing around practice squads and just signed off there. Probably signed off there because Trubisky asked for him. But there's just there's nobody to get the ball to. And yeah, yeah. Gruden was all over it last night. I think it Bryant. was. I,
0: mean, it's, it's, I think it was the second or third play. Gruden said like Kendall Wright's the only the only bear name you might know on this team, man. Like that was like he was coming out of the gates. So that was pretty just, good. Yeah, I do. I do That's a decent. Uh, I do a decent. This guy was that Gruden the, or Frank Caliendo doing Gruden? That was Frank Kellyendo doing Gruden, man. Yeah, man. It was I do impressions of impressions. All right, we're and done. I apologize. We're done. No, we're I done. apologize for the voice in the first place. I uh, had a long had a long weekend uh, snuck back into Chicago for for a wedding um major congratulations to alex firth i know he's a listener of the pod i don't know if he'll be uh he'll be tuning in in mykonos on the uh on the honeymoon but uh if he's not a little,
1: then i'm very disappointed in
0: him. feeling a little raspy um, i a little like i could do a little wnua 95.5 giving you all the hits that's uh i'm gonna come at you a little smoother today matt a little, a little so bit so, so so the bears how
1: about how about <laughs> the bears yeah, I don't know but know. yeah
0: a, a lot to talk about the bears i mean some some fun stuff. What did you make of the of the two point conversion? I mean, it was a, that was the was most an, fun was, play I've ever
1: seen. In my life. Yeah, but people are saying it was
0: awesome. fun. It was fun. It was cool. It was fun and it was cool because it worked. If it didn't yeah, work, but, there were three different points in that play where it, it could have been like, what was that? Like but kind it of like a. It did. It did. Yeah, it I mean, didn't. you can't so not it. Like, it
1: was- if it didn't work, that would have been stupid. No, it, it worked. I mean, that they they ran, they ran, let the young kid go out there, have some fun with the new offense, and it was a play that absolutely worked. According to Trubisky, they actually practiced it a bunch down in Bourbon, eh? so it wasn't that's like something funny. he just kind of drew up in the sand, like you're going to pitch it here and then we're going back here and then another throw over here. No, they actually worked on it. They knew what
0: they were doing, and it worked really well. Well, I, what I like about that is that Dow Loggins had that circled on his sheet probably in a two-point conversion situation because uh, there was the situation earlier out of the game where they called the timeout to, to avoid the delay game, then yeah. took the delay game anyway, so – uh, there's still that some. was
1: was that the one where Fox like sent out the punt team and then tried and to then, send Trubisky out. That like, I think that, he, what the I think hell he was,
0: was that. Well, I think he was trying to balk out there and get their punt team on the field and then send no, Trubisky out. No, but if you're
1: gonna uh, okay, I don't know who if Fox said like you know this is the plays I want you to call or you know had yeah. have that cl- play cleared. But why you would do that? Send your team out there to, to have to hurry up and get that snap off, and then you, you're getting to the line with three seconds. So you have to hurry up. But have a play where motion is involved. I really Mm -hmm. don't get it because that adds, what, five seconds to your play clock? So you're breaking the huddle at seven. You need to account five seconds
0: for the motion. That was just stupid. Point being, some questionable coaching in that situation. I was glad that in another high-pressure, decision-making coaching situation, they had something drawn up that they wanted to run, regardless if it was uh, Harlem Grove Trotters-esque or if it was, you know, an ISO, they, they had something that they wanted yeah. to run. We saw that, and then we saw Pat O'Donnell throw the longest pass of the Bear season. So, that was great. Um, it was great ball. Sold it really well. Put it, it, right, make put it right. Put it
1: right where it needed to be. You know, maybe you know, maybe he's your backup now. Maybe,
0: he kind of looks, maybe, like, maybe he he looks like maybe he's Mike London. Maybe he, gets he could good be like. Scraps. He's got the jawline. He could be like Jimmy Garoppolo's cousin or something. He's a very very handsome man. That Pat O'Donnell. I told you, buy your Pat O'Donnell stock early in the season. He's he's. I think yeah, you he didn't buy also, it for that reason. I know, but Gruden, Gruden also pointed out he's punted more than any other punter in the league. He's had more more punts this year. He is punter I, I know in the league.
1: He was a draft pick that people laughed at and all that, but he's actually the turned U. out to
0: be a pretty, pretty darn good
1: punter for the Bears. I know yeah. they've asked him to do it a lot, but he's that. That's not a wasted draft pick, I guess. I, I know you can find punters here and yeah. there, you know, probably unsigned, all that stuff, but that that wasn't a bad he, that wasn't a bad pick. I think that's what I've yeah. been starting to think the last few. These things go on my mind, Joe. I think about punters.
0: So, special teams, uh, we saw what we kind of wanted there. Offensively, the run game looked okay. Maybe took a step back yesterday. Some tough running by Jordan Howard. Still looks like he's working through some shoulder stuff, some arm stuff, whatever's yeah. ailing him there on the right side. And Tariq Cohen, while the explosiveness is still evident, um, he's starting to dance a little bit. He's starting to starting uh, it. He's starting to feel, starting to feel steps, himself a little bit. Starting to feel himself a little bit. We got to get him going north south um, and maybe make a move here or there. But, uh, Couple times yesterday, where I think he cost the Bears a couple yards, uh, just trying to do too much back there.
1: Yeah, um, I no, I didn't remember seeing him much towards the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm starting to wor, was starting to worry maybe he got hurt or something. I'm not really yeah. sure. I hadn't seen anything, but I, I want to say towards you know the fourth, quarter. I think on so the last much,
0: punt he came up a little lame.
1: Okay, because all we really saw towards the end was Howard and, and Cunningham. We didn't really see yeah. much of Tariq to Cohen towards the end, but yeah, like you said, he just there were a bunch of times last night where. And I know it's not his style and it's not how he got himself drafted and all here, but his, mm-hmm. he could have just fell forward, picked up three yards, whatever it was. Instead, he tries to reverse field and, you know, yeah. not only loses two, but, you know, wastes 10, 15 seconds off the clock, which in 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 hind- you know, at, in the time is hard to see. But in hindsight, yeah, that's some time I want
0: to try yeah. and save. Uh, then, then defensively, I mean, another pretty strong effort out, out of the Bears. And we I've been beating this drum since – the preseason, Leonard Floyd with a pro bowl, all pro type performance yesterday, six tackles, all of them solo, two sacks. I thought he had three. They only credited him with two, four tackles for a, lo- a loss and three hits on the QB. So Leonard F- Floyd looking like a force to be reckoned with in his young career here on the outside.
1: You know who else had a nice game last night on that defensive line that's getting overshadowed by Floyd a little bit, but Akeem Hicks. Yeah um, ever since he signed that big contract he's He's, looked, that like, presence he's looked like a guy who's wanted to live up with it he has been dominant i know i don't know if they're technically calling him a dn cuz it's a 3-4 whatever in the interior defensive line last night he had four solo tackles two sacks three tackles for loss and mm-hmm. he just he created a bunch of problems early on i know sam bradford had trouble moving early but he made it you know, made that a big problem for him early on. I thought he was fantastic. And, and if you get performances from Hicks and Floyd like that, that defense is going to be in great shape because the linebackers, quite frankly, are going to need it. It doesn't look like John T yeah. is coming back anytime soon. I think they're hopeful Kwiatkowski can come back. But even if he comes back, I mean, you're still pretty thin there. So I think it was Christian Jones who was in last night, who had himself mm-hmm. a decent night. I think he made eight tackles or so. Think, yeah, down. he led
0: the, t- led the team in tackles, if I'm but not
1: mistaken. Still, you're, you're going to need a little bit more help from those guys and I think that starts up front with those you know, those front four being disruptive and maybe getting the running backs quarterbacks a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, all things considered having that many injuries at the middle level, I think the Bears defense is reacting really nicely to the situation that they've been put in.
1: They are. And I think yeah. last night especially not just with the uh, I think with the with the quarterback situation they looked a little rejuvenated, but Pat O'Donnell helped them out a bunch too. I mean, they were starting yeah. out in, in great Split field fields all early on, and I think that, you know, got them flying around a little bit quicker, feeling a little bit better about where they were instead of being, you know, forced into uh sudden change situations where they're on, yeah. you know, their own thirty and their heels are on the goal line, the red zone, whatever, so, and they gotta batten down the hatches and you know, bend, don't break. I think it's a lot easier to come fly around when you know you got all that field behind you.
0: Especially at home, when, when you're at home and you can back someone up against a goal line or inside the 10, that's huge. And Pat O'Donnell also with a quarterback rating of 158.3, that's so you got to love that. He's perfect. That's a, that's a Joe Musso-type uh, quarterback rating. Just throw a reverse pass out there and, and then say thank you to the fans. That's all you got to do, one for one.
1: So, Joe, what is it you you see from the Bears that you're going forward? You think? Can't give me a little
0: love there, man. No, I, I remember little. like
1: the one time where you, I remember in practice you'd always um, you run that and take the glove off while you were running and then throw. No, it was it was. So like well, try make a you, jump.
0: you recollect you recollect poorly because you could jump on line. I'm two for two with two touchdowns, one junior year, one senior year, and the glove stayed on. Was it one of those times. against one of those? Was the glove stayed on. One of those was times. against Wheaton, right? No, Wheaton was an incomplete pass, but there was a P.I. on it, so that never made it to the record books. Well, who, who were the touchdowns thrown to? I know this
1: is great radio for
0: people who didn't uh, go Tate on a Wesleyan Musselman, during time. Tate Musselman, shout-out, and okay. uh, Alex Garvey, shout-out, reeled one in.
1: Tate okay. bailed
0: me out. Full full disclosure, Tate bailed me out. Don't, Garvey, don't, don't. Gar, Garvey's on the money. We're going to cut that. We're not. I don't like giving Tate credit. I also checked down to Tate, too, so some real quarterback play there. But as you said, Matt, what we're looking forward to here. With the Bears moving forward, is you're getting into some winnable games, and uh, not—I mean, not layups by any means—but the Ravens don't seem to be a juggernaut right now. The Panthers have—I mean, they're a tough Panthers team. are rolling a little bit right they're, now. They're a tough team, and it looks like they're finding their footing. But I mean, if we can shake Cam Newton a little bit and get him off his off his centerpiece, um, I mean, what happened? What happened this this week? If that's not going to shake him, I don't know what's gonna. So yeah. it's it's Ravens, Panthers, Saints, and then back to the Pack. So. I mean not necessarily are, the easy part of the schedule but I'm not expect I'm expecting the Bears to win a couple football games because okay, that's where doesn't I was matter going. what are your reasons doesn't matter it doesn't matter what we want to see doesn't matter what we expect to happen you're one in 4 now you're on the bottom you're 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 one of the bottom teams in the NFL you got to win a couple football games to keep morale up to keep everyone interested to keep Fox I mean even just on the hot seat to not get Fox fired in the middle of the season, which I don't think will happen. They won't but, I don't think with the quarterback they'll they'll shake yeah, that I up. Yeah, I, I don't mid, think that'll mid-season. happen. But that decision could be made mid season. Yeah, that's and, true. And I think that I think that John Fox needs to understand his mortality in this situation and what could happen. Um, so I think the Bears really need to go out there and start winning some football games, regardless of injuries, regardless of rookie quarterbacks, regardless of um, just. Insufficient wide receiver play. They they need to go out there and find a way to win a couple games because they've been in a couple close ones now with the Vikings. They pulled it out with the Steelers and the Falcons. Week one, those are those are games that you can turn into W's. So when you look back on a season and you look at a record and then you look at what the record could be, how many games you were in tight in the fourth quarter, that's kind of what decides that middle tier of football teams, you know, And, and that. A lot of times decides your wildcard teams. So if you can win a couple of these close football games, that's a learning moment for Trubisky and the rest of these young guys to take forward. So I, I want to see that start happening. I guess is my main my main thing that I want to see is close football games that the Bears can pull out. No, I'm with see, you. Because I don't see them blowing out anyone.
1: No, I mean it, not unless you catch somebody on an awful day. Maybe you catch the Niners or something. Niners like that and Browns. Yeah. But for the most, part, I, I I think that's all you can look forward here. Going looking look for here going forward. Excuse me. Is I just start to see? I want to start to see a quarterback who can win me those close games. If that makes sense, because we've been here in these close games, and while Jay has has done it, you know, did it in the past a couple times when they had better teams. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be the the guy here of the you know the total future. The last you know, two or three years he was here, but I'd like to see a quarterback who is the one who is coming back, leading me on those drives. I, I think we we're so accustomed. Bears fans over the years of seeing you know defense come up with a big interception. Yep. Devin Hester back in the day, you know bailing him out with a punt return. I want to see, and this it's I guess it's easy to, to say it now, but I want to see a quarterback who starts winning me football games because that is the that's the mark I think of a franchise going forward is of a good franchise going forward, one that has potential to win you know games, playoff games, and all that is a quarterback who can take a team. You know, buy the helmet, buy the face mask, and will them to win. I think that's what I'd like to see going forward. I'm not expecting it right away because I know Mitch has a long way to go, but I'd like to see him steal some games because of his late game
0: heroics, his fourth quarter clutchness, all that kind of stuff. Well, we have uh, plenty of football to play and plenty of opportunities to see Mitch and what he can do. It's next week. Bears travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. That's a noon start on Fox. Can can he just beat the Packers?
1: Can you just beat that the would, Packers in November? That, I'd take a, two and fourteen if he went and beat Aaron Rodgers in November.
0: That's a Joe. season saver. That's a season saver right there. Oh Sorry. I had to I had to watch I had to watch Rodgers drive down the field and win that game, waiting for a plane at O'Hare Airport, sitting in well, sitting at the terminal, watching the game.
1: Joe, and, you didn't have to watch
0: it. You no, no, I, I, I had to. to. I was sitting there and I had to. The Cowboys scored, and I was saying it as they're driving down. I go, they should, you know, chew this clock. Chew this clock. In fairness, they did clock. a
1: great job chewing clock because they
0: got the ball with like seven Not and a half enough. minutes.
1: I know, but like they did about as much as they could. Can't
0: can't can't leave but Aaron Rodgers three digits. You were of clock. yeah, you
1: were saying that because we've seen that movie before as Bears fans and just as football fans. We knew how that one ended. Yep. Um, Aaron Rodgers was going to go down the field. He was going to make a couple ridiculous throws. He was going to scramble for some first down. When it was third and long that everybody thought he had no shot at, and then he was going to throw a dime for a touchdown. That's just what Aaron Rodgers does, and it sucks, Pack's, and I hate it.
0: That's so Packers much. talk. That's Packers talk for the week. We're getting that was, off of it. that. Was talking Packers. That was talking Packers. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, uh, like we said, plenty of plenty of Bears football to be played, and uh, now we can be excited. I think we we have something to be excited about here with with Trubisky. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows, um, but uh, hopefully we can give him a. As we said, a strong foundation to to lead this team forward, maybe win a couple ball games. Yeah,
1: and I think last night showed that it, 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 the Bears were at least, I think, right, not just 100% right yet, but justified in trading up and trying to move for picks if they thought he was that guy. But that's another debate for a different time.
0: Yes, it is. Depending on when you are listening to this, the Cubs. Currently leading the Nationals, two games to one in the NLDS. Uh, a big one, a tight one yesterday. Uh, Anthony Rizzo comes through with a duck snort uh, to score. Uh, help me out here. Who scored on that play? Uh,
1: I got the box score open up here. I, John
0: Jay. Was they, it John Jay, I think? It, it could time. have been. Keep I mean, talking. I'll, I'll tell. Cubs, Cubs win two to it's one Leonie's Leone's mark. Leone's mark. Gotcha. Today's ball game starts 4:38 on TBS. Uh, Cubs could clinch it here and head to their second consecutive NLCS. Uh, that's a weird thing to say, but uh, Cubbies look like they're playing third consecutive. Third, third consecutive. Oh. Thank you. Third consecutive NLCS, and uh, they're playing really good baseball right now. And I think that yesterday was one of those watershed moments because it's a one-one ball game with the series tied, and the Cubs find a way to come out with that W. Oftentimes you see that team take the next one or the rubber match because that's your that's your deciding moment right there.
1: No, we will uh, I I want to talk about the Cubs a little bit, what they did well the last you know couple nights, but I think the, the glaring storyline from, from last night's game, I want to ask you what you think was the more egregious mistake. Mm-hmm. Dusty Baker pulling Max Scherzer or Dusty Baker pitching to Anthony Rizzo with a base open.
0: I think um you know
1: those that two things, things kind of
0: awful. Those things those two things kind of compounded one another, but you gotta say Rizzo. If you want to pull the guy I, okay, I do agree. get get the matchup you want. I get that. I don't agree with that. I think uh both managers have been overmanaging this series. I think Joe's pulled a couple guys too early, and I think you saw that turning into a uh in game two into a Bryce Harper home run. In game but, three with Quintana, too. And then Quintana pulling Quintana with a two-hitter going. Um I think there's been some overmanaging going, and that happens. But Pitching to Anthony Rizzo with an open base is stupid. Totally Anthony, Anthony hits that one out to the center field. He gets tagged out. And you saw him as they go to commercial. He was screaming at the dugout, respect me, over and over. He was screaming, respect me. So he took he, uh, that he, personally. He didn't he interview with, uh, with
1: Van Pelt. Um, yeah. They, they, and he said those exact words. Uh, yeah. If, if, if you pitch to me with a base open in that situation, I take that personally. Yeah. And that's and, I'm not a Cubs fan by any means, but I really, really like Anthony Rizzo just because of, of stuff like that. Not only does he say stuff like that, but he backs it up. And he's just, mm-hmm. in situations like that, I, there, there's not many people in the majors I'd rather have at the plate than Anthony Rizzo. And part of me thinks he's going to, you know, with, with all the injuries this team's had, the, the banged-up pitching, the inconsistent pitching, inconsistent bullpen, part of me thinks he's going to find a way to just will this team into the World Series. Yeah. Not necessarily win it, but will this team there. Uh, an that's interesting what good captains too.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that Anthony Rizzo has uh, immortalized himself as the captain now. percent. I know when you think captain, you think Derek Jeter, but he's the captain when it comes to Chicago Cubs baseball. An interesting storyline thread here that's kind of been weaved throughout the last couple postseasons. seasons. Seventy percent chance of hard rain in Chicago today, and pending a rainout. The game would be rescheduled to Wednesday, and if that happens, uh, we could be looking at Strasburg, Hendricks for Game Four. Uh, with that, day of I just
1: want that to. Ha- I I just want to see that matchup again because those two yeah. were awesome in Game One, and I just as as much as you like seeing the the home runs fly out of the park and stuff in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I I in, in baseball in general I there's nothing much I love more than a pitching to in playoff baseball because I think it makes it it's fun to watch those pitchers you know at, at their best but it makes when you see those runs and the, the emotion from those players I think even much more fun and exciting when they yeah. somehow scrape one across after you know a, an error that you know steals second you know some dink base hit like the the emotion you see from those players on plays just like that I think makes playoff baseball what it is
0: as if the stakes could be raised any higher, I believe that does raise it higher. I agree with you there, Matt. Um, I do think that the game will be played today because we get, essentially, in Lincoln, we get the weather about 20 hours early here that oh. you guys get in Chicago, so I could kind of do a little Neshtradamus forecast here. Uh, some spotty rain yesterday here in Lincoln, so... Uh, I you cannot a, wait for you to just be dead wrong on this. I know, it could, it's going it to be a downpour, probably, yeah. but... One uh, <laughs> um, of the foul poles a, will probably get hit by lightning. Might see a delay here or there, but I think they do play the game if I could give my, my Lincoln forecast. Joe, it looks uh, like
1: you're, I'm knock on wood here, but it looks like your Cubs prediction is bad as you are at predicting football, and you are <laughs> god-awful <laughs> at it. It looks like you might be dead on here with your serious prediction.
0: Yeah. You got Cubs in uh, four, and
1: I, they got all the momentum. I think if I'm a betting man, I think they win today. I, I think you might be dead on there. What do you mean, if you're a betting man, you degenerate? Fair.
0: I, <laughs> couple, I have no
1: response. That,
0: that couple, was perfect. I was going to segue off of that, but a couple ball clubs already uh, into the next round. Astros clinched yesterday, as did the Dodgers. So it would My be, World Series pick. It would be Astros winner Dodgers. of this going on to take on the Dodgers. So another – however you – however this – shakes down between the Cubs and the Nationals. It's going to be another high profile NLCS between the Dodgers and another big name team with some big name players on it. Going to be really really fun to watch. Now, did baseball. you did
1: you get a chance to watch that Astros Red Sox game yesterday towards the end of it? No. I
0: saw the highlights of it, so I saw how it ended.
1: So would Just, you would you
0: have pulled Chris
1: Sale and gone with Craig Kimbrell? or do you, no, you be blaming no. John Farrell for sticking with, with Yeah, Chris you Sale?
0: can you can always you can always play the what if, the other option and if you're going to stick with someone, stick with your ace. Stick with the guy who's going. Let Chris Sale win or lose you that ballgame. And I understand that's hard to say when the series and the season is on the line, but go with your guy and stick with your guy. I respect that move.
1: Yeah, I am I, I think myself I would have gone with Craig Kimbrell just because he – I don't He don't believe he had thrown in the game before where they won 10-3 and, you know, season's on the line, all that. Or just because you know the outcome. No, no, you no, just, no, 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 no. Because in in the national situation, they went to some I, some lefty who I don't even remember his name with a five yeah. ERA. Craig Kimbrel is arguably the best closer in baseball. And from what we've seen the playoffs the last few years, it's all about getting to the bullpen and getting to your best arm with those five out saves. And as, as great of an arm as Chris Sale is, still on three days rest, still doesn't have playoff experience, all that stuff. But that said, I I can't fault him for going with him. He, I don't think you think he allowed like two hits in four innings. Had something like five strikeouts and was absolutely rolling. He had all the emotion in the world. Crowd was behind him, so I can't blame a guy yeah. like John. It's the same reason I wouldn't. I, I think Dusty Baker's an idiot. You got to stay with your ace, who's feeling it in the moment. But yeah. if he wanted, it, it was it's different in that uh, Farrell had a guy like Kimbrel to go to, whereas Dusty really
0: didn't. Yeah, a, a tough postseason there for Sale. Uh, the. The two home runs to Altuve in Game One lost that start, and then uh, this uh, this situation here just not uh, what you wanted to see out of Chris Sale in the postseason. That was a fun so, series to
1: watch, though that Astros Red Sox here. And the Astros, the two teams, have kind of slumped down towards the end. The Astros and the Dodgers
0: they look all of like a sudden look
1: like they're yeah. kind of just flipping, waiting to flip that switch till the playoffs started.
0: Yeah, Astros look serious right now, and uh, it's often that time that team with you talk about that that momentum and that energy. If if it's going that high, that's a tough team to beat in a series.
1: Yeah, I tell you, going out and getting Justin Verlander at the waiver deadline if, if they uh, huge it's it's huge. absolutely huge, and it's the reason they are as far as that. I don't think they beat the Red Sox without Verlander. And yeah. the fact that he's back to you know, we've seen I think him bounce the last couple of years. He's kind of flipped between Cy young Verlander and old looking Verlanders, ERAs in the fours. Mm-hmm. He's starting to look like vintage Justin Verlander, who's you know hitting the high nineties in the fastball and just having that dominant stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one, as we said this afternoon, at 4:38 central start. Weather pending. Cubs Nationals game four. Cubs could close it out here and uh, earn themselves another trip to Los Angeles. Uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch this afternoon. And uh, matter, uh, you got any? Got any other uh, Cubs takes before we move on here to to your bread and butter? No,
1: I think uh, I think we kind of covered it all there.
0: We we'll get we we'll get we'll, to it a little bit more and buy or sell, but I think we covered it all. Well, when, you know, we were talking Bears and scoring has not necessarily been their, uh, their strong point this season. That three to two halftime score looked more like a Blackhawk score, but Blackhawk scores are starting to look a little bit more like Bears scores. Uh, they dropped one in overtime yesterday to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but just an offensive explosion in these first three games, Matt. What are you seeing from these pairings? What's working? Why are they averaging? Let me look at it. It was three goals yesterday. It's 10-5-3, ten so it's yeah. So
1: it's like, so 20, uh, 18, 18 of it, six goals a game.
0: That's six good goals. math. That's, that was that's, really good. That was I did fast that math. math. Yeah. That was fast. I'm impressed by that uh-huh. math. Pretty awesome um, stuff. But um, uh, why, why are they having that type of success?
1: Well, I, I think from what we've seen now, the, the lines were a little bit off from what I thought they might be. But um, Artem and Isimov being on that third line and, and having guys like Patrick Sharp and Alex it, that all of a sudden, I mean, one of the, the big concerns with – the team last year in the past two years quite frankly was their their depth at forward but with mm-hmm. Nick Schmaltz kind of evolving as a true second line center and, and clearly being able to keep up with Kane and, and Ryan Hartman on that second line you all of a sudden have a really really deep forward group especially down the middle with with Tave Schmaltz and Nisimov and then I think Tanner Carroll's been the guy who, who they like there he's been hurt the first couple of games but that's, I mean, th- they've they've turned one of their biggest weaknesses into their biggest strengths just by letting these young guys develop, which is very similar to what a team like Pittsburgh did, um, and that's why they were able to bounce back and win those, you know, two cups after and people forget that they went seven years and people were calling their, you know, team and Crosby all that dead, and then they come back, you know, seven years later after letting some guys develop and some key acquisitions, they win two cups in a row. So that's why I think it was a little bit premature to say the Hawks are dead and their window's closed and all that, but. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing last night that can not concern me a little bit, but I think you, you saw the growing pains that are inevitable were just, they played a really young, fast, talented Maple Leafs team who might not quite be ready to win a cup, but they're where the Hawks were a couple of years ago where they got a lot of really young up and coming stars on the rise, all that stuff. And I think the Hawks D pairings had a little bit of trouble keeping up with them early on. Yeah. And I think that's something that Right now and early on in the year, and probably even towards the end of year, you just hope, hope to have fixed by the playoffs. I think you'll, you're still looking for your right pairings. Maybe Keith and Seabrook aren't going to be together all year. Maybe you got to move around some of those bottom, you know, bottom two, bottom four pairing guys. But I think for the most part, it's it's hard not to be encouraged because even though they were, I don't, they they were outplayed last night. I'm not sure how much you probably didn't watch much of it at all. I'm not sure if you get the games out there, but. They, they were definitely outplayed last night in the second two periods, um, but they, they were still able to scrape across three goals. I thought they had a great performance from their backup goalie, which was another question mark heading into the year after losing Scott Darling. But mm-hmm. uh, after these first three games, it's really hard to not be encouraged by what we've seen, even though there are signs of growing pains. Um, yeah, and the forward group looks fantastic early on.
0: Yeah, you talk you talk about that depth uh, on the front end, and you got Kane, Sodden, Hartman, all with six points um, already. Richard Panik, I think, has
1: scored in all three games so far. Uh, he has. And uh, you,
0: when you're when you talk about those defensive pairings, you really struck something there. I think that they're going to have to split Keith and Seabrook at some point because these guys are getting in their twilight years, and you can't keep having them be on the ice for twenty five. 30 minutes a game sometimes. Yeah, especially those Duncan are,
1: Keith, a guy has been missing a
0: knee injury the last couple of years, too. So he's a guy. And he's, I'm looking at it right now, he's averaging 24 minutes, 48 seconds per game on the ice. So that's a lot of ice time mm-hmm. for an older guy, an older defenseman. I think if you can get him with a younger guy who can hold water next to him, then I think that could be that for the longevity of both of those careers.
1: I think eventually you'll probably see Seabrook <laughs> and Connor Murphy switch up. I think you'll probably okay. see Connor Murphy go with uh, Duncan Keith. He's another right-handed shot, similar type player. To Seabrook, mm-hmm. he's more of a stay-at-home defensive defenseman with with that right-handed shot, which is big. And then Kempney and Seabrook um, played pretty well together at times last year. I know their their fancy stats and their possession numbers all look pretty good together, so I think you'll see them together at some point. And then that bottom three, or that bottom uh, pairing will be like it always was, it was with Joel Quenville, just kind of yeah. a, a revolving door throughout the year until he yeah. finally finds his pair. And even Try in the playoffs, and if, they, if and when they get there, it'll be a revolving door. Uh, because yeah. that's what they do, but I, I, it's hard to not be encouraged from what you've seen out of this forward group. They absolutely, look, they look faster. And I know early those first two games they were playing teams coming off back to backs, facing off, you know, facing around, uh, facing off with backup goalies. Um, but they did what they should do, what good teams should do to tired teams with with backup goalies in there. That was yeah. you know absolutely dominate
0: them. I mean, you, you mentioned opposing backup goalies, but one thing that the Blackhawks have had over this stretch since 2010 is a serviceable. Backup goalie, whether through injury or struggles, mental or physical, they've been able to go to their number two. Only one game, and I did watch the game yesterday. It was on oh. NHL Network. Oh, nice. um, so we, I got, I got the package out here. You know, we popped for it. We popped for the sports package. Um, but is Anton Forsberg another guy in that list? Because I don't know enough about him to feel comfortable with him yet.
1: Yeah, that, that's a, that's fair and a, quite honest. I haven't seen enough Anton Forsberg. Um, in, in my life to be able to, to judge yeah. whether or not he is you know that, that great of a goalie or a great of a backup goalie, excuse me. But last night I was very encouraged by his performance. I thought there was maybe one goal that he'd probably like to have back, yeah. but for the most part I thought he kept them in the game. There were a ton of penalties last night, and I know you're going to get I think on that a little bit near grievance in the NFL, but I think that's an issue in the NHL, too. I think they're they're starting to emphasize certain things that are just leading to tons of power plays. That's another conversation for another time. Uh, But I thought he played pretty well last night. I think he stopped something. I think he stopped over 40 shots. Um, And if there's one thing, you can question some things Stan Bowman's done over the past few years, but if there's one thing he's been able to do in his tenure, whether it's dating all the way back to Ray Emery or all the way up to Scott Darling, He's been able to find capable backups for Corey Crawford. Yeah, um, I, I think their ability to judge talent, you know, yeah, consistent backup goalies. I'm not sure exactly what it is they look for. I'm not going to pretend to know what it is, um, other than it uh, you know, seems like a bigger body guy. But they're, they're they've been able to judge and get that guy type of guy in there in the past, and I, I have no reason to believe that that's going to stop now. And from what we saw from last night, I thought he was very serviceable and should be a fine backup to Corey Crawford. Now, if something happens to Crawford. And he's got to go for you know, fifteen out of twenty games or something like that. Then I might get a little bit concerned. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it.
0: All right, matter well. Uh, as the Blackhawks season continues here and they get deeper on uh, Matt's ho- hockey minute will be thrown out the window, and uh, we will start to get into deeper segments here when we do have storylines to talk about as we did today. Um, Blackhawks off to a good start, two and one uh, points in all three games, and it looks like they are heading to Montreal. Tonight. Uh, game yeah. Tonight, I will be able to catch that one as well. NBCSN, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. Uh, don't know what that is west of here. So. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, it should be. Uh, I don't matter. think
1: we have I, many listeners out frank, there, Joe.
0: Frankly, I don't know if the listeners are out there. And I don't know if anyone watches hockey west of Nebraska. So.
1: Um, hey, just yeah, a. That's, uh, yeah, that's
0: a, sh- that's a pop shot at ULA.
1: Just a quick. Uh, <laughs> I just saw this come across the Twitter feed. Not sure how much it matters. But the New Orleans Saints just traded Adrian Peterson to the Arizona Cardinals. Well, that's some deal. breaking
0: news right there. That's yeah. some, that's some breaking news. Breaking Excuse podcast
1: me. news that C- people Cue, will hear in real
0: time. to the music, but that 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 was coming it, it, from week one. It didn't look like it was working. Um, he, I think he, whether his role was uh, misinterpreted or they told him he was going to be something else or whatever Part of the me situation thinks Adrian was. Adrian
1: Peterson has the bigger ego, where he just was told that his role so was so going to well. be. Didn't believe it and just thought didn't no, Adrian Peterson.
0: Yeah, so uh, he was not happy there, and he got traded where, you said?
1: Arizona, which is a decent fit for him, I guess. They're looking for running back help with David yeah. Johnson Hurt. And it, it's a dry heat, too, so. Yeah, it's it, it's indoors, but that's
0: fine. <laughs> um, so Adrian Peterson to the Cardinals. Matt, uh, you kind of brought us back there to football here. Let's talk a little NCAA, a little college football, the Irish Back in the win column, looking good. All of these trap games that we worry about—your Michigan State's, your North Carolinas—they're handling them this year.
1: Yeah, I think the encouraging part, which you, you really didn't see last year, and that's obviously why they landed a four and eight. But you, you really didn't see much in the in the past, other than the year they went to the national title game. Was the the defense has really been bailing out a not struggling offense, but maybe sputtering offense at times, mm-hmm. especially against North Carolina. They uh, Brandon Wimbush was um, kept out. He was available in, in case of emergency, but they kept him out went with Ian Book, who was a serviceable backup, I guess. But you yeah. saw a defense really backing up a struggling offense early on, and that, that's an encouraging sign. I think that's one of the signs that makes you know a, a viable competitor um, in football, and you, you've seen this defense do it time and again, and against some good teams too, like, like Georgia. Um, so I think that was the most encouraging thing to me. Ian Book obviously looked fine. Josh Adams reeled off another 70 plus yard touchdown run. It seems like he's good for one of those a game now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but they were able to run the football and they were able to do against the bad team what they should do even with a backup quarterback. and that was for the most part never really have the game in doubt, even though it was a monsoon for a lot of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was a solid performance by the Irish. looking at the top 25 NC State upsets number 17 Louisville They're, they'll climb up they climbed up the rankings there. Uh, Penn State takes care of Northwestern. Saquon Barkley, another outstanding performance. Uh, didn't break 100 yards, but broke really? 100 all-purpose. That,
1: that first half, Northwestern did a great job shutting him down. Get to them. They're basically yeah, they playing have that a read way, option.
0: That they read option basically,
1: of... they just dared Trace McSor- McSorley to run and beat him. They're just that end was flying towards uh, Barkley every time, and it,
0: it worked for a half. Yeah. The, the- they have a way of taking away a team's strength. Now, if a team has a secondary strength that they can lean on, that's where the cats get in trouble. But I remember last year they held Christian McCaffrey to like twenty-five all-purpose yards or something mm-hmm. like that. So they—they have—I don't know what whatever Fitz is doing defensively there. Uh, they can—they can hold their own and make games interesting. But thirty-one to seven there, as we said, the Irish win number twenty-one. Bama. Uh, Beats Texas Tech, but uh, Nick Saban not happy with uh, Bama's performance. I think this is just uh, that point no. Of it's just it's where yeah. he no. This is what he does. He challenges his team. He continues to put challenges in front of his team when this is the point in the season where an Oklahoma will lose an Iowa State because they get yeah. too high on themselves. And I think Nick Saban understands that, and he's seen teams do that before and take that mid-season, late mid-season loss. He's not allowing that. He's putting new challenges in front of his team that don't involve wins and losses it's you versus you at alabama nowadays
1: yeah it's a, i guess that's that's a pretty fair point for the most part and the rest of their schedule i think like we talk for the most part it is you versus you until they get to i think auburn it was in the uh, in
0: the iron bowl there georgia um, look georgia looking strong number five tell you what Vanderbilt going back last to notre dame
1: week, a little bit with yeah. touching on georgia that Georgia lost the one point loss at home, where they kind of gave it away at the end. I think to a committee made up of you know actual humans, not computers. Yeah, that that looks pretty good. And it doesn't it? Doesn't I, look I mean? Bad. I, I <laughs> if I had to bet, I don't think Notre Dame's going to run the table the rest of the way. Uh, they, they just got they have four ranked teams out of five left, and the one or six left, excuse me. The one unranked team is Wake Forest, who's given Florida State and Clemson some difficult games. So I, I think there might be a slip up there. But mm-hmm. if they somehow do run the table, and I they, mean like it. The rest of their schedule is not easy at all whatsoever, and that's their one loss, a one-point loss to Georgia at home. I think they have to be considered for the playoff.
0: Yeah, and as you said, uh, it's going to come down to, I think, what their offensive production looks like in those games against their ranked opponents because as – Dominant as the defense has been, you are going to face a couple teams here where your, your defense can dominate, but your offense needs to be able to at least score with mm-hmm. the other team. You can't rely on defensive points. Um, let me say this, Matt, because it's going to feel good—not great, but good. Michigan State over number uh, seven Michigan, fourteen to ten. That um, was fantastic at, at the Big House in the rain. Uh, we, we had some friends there. Shout out to Danny O'Neill. Saw it uh, saw it up close and personal. Looked like an awesome setting to watch uh, Michigan. Get taken down there. TCU uh, squeaks by West Virginia. That was—I
1: don't know if you got to see that, but you were—you so no, know you said you were at the wedding, but that was—I saw a the highlights of a football game.
0: Yeah, I saw the highlights. TCU looks tough this year, and uh, Kenny West Hill Virginia
1: looked pretty good too themselves.
0: They did. Kenny Hill embattled early on in his career, um, really struggled at A and M. Seems to have found his footing and mm-hmm. is emerging as a really solid quarterback at TCU, might find himself, I think, in one of those last seats at the uh, at the. Yes, yeah, I was literally
1: day. just going to say that if you didn't. Uh, he, yeah. he's, really, he's earning that,
0: I think. Uh, number 9, Wisconsin, rolls over Nebraska 38-17. A close game until the fourth quarter, saw a lot of good stuff out of Nebraska. Nonetheless, Mike Riley's seat gets hotter and hotter. hotter each week. Um, the, the Huskers, we won't dive too deep into it this week, but they are 24-point dogs on their home field against Ohio State this weekend. And I think that number is just about right. So uh, we'll be down there on the sideline. I'm excited to get to see the Buckeyes up close and personal. Ohio State putting a number up, 62-14 over Maryland. Uh, some other games, Miami over Florida State. In a rivalry matchup, USC takes down Oregon State. And, uh that that was the big upset though oklahoma fallen to uh, iowa state 38 to 31 that, that was uh, a fun
1: about, back and forth football something game something about
0: watch. iowa state that's like upset you they every every couple of years they'll find a way to to pull a big upset and uh the Cyclones do it again. No, a, they no had, that was at Oklahoma. Yeah, that
1: was that. That was in Norman. Uh, but yeah. that was they. They had their starting middle linebacker was also their backup quarterback.
0: Was playing. Yeah.
1: He, he wasn't playing the whole game. They had their their uh, number one guy in there, but their backup got some time in there. I was running some read option stuff, and that to me was just it, at the college level to be able to basically be the quarterback of a defense and an offense in the same uh-huh. game, and that against a team like Oklahoma and be that good. That was a, that was one of the highlights of the week for me. I
0: thought. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. All right, Matt. Uh, it, w- this brings us now t- to our segment that uh, you know I've struggled with a little bit here. It is our lock of the week segment, Matt. Do you want to lead us off here? I was
1: I was going to let you choose if you wanted me to go first. You're going to you defer to, to me because it's no, no, much... I gonna, no. I was going to no. I was going to let you choose. You're the okay. one struggling and all that. Um, you know, Thank you. I appreciate I, I'm, that. I'm, I'm having some sympathy for you.
0: I'm going to pick Oklahoma to bounce back over Texas. I've seen a good amount of Texas football this year. They've had some high points, but um, it's a rivalry matchup. What are we out there? Oklahoma's laying seven and a half on the road, so I don't love it. But, um, you know, I I don't don't (laughs) love that at all. I'm I'm talking myself out of it. I can hear
1: just the trepidation and the lack of confidence. No, okay, I got my my pick.
0: I got my pick. I got my pick. TCU on the road at Kansas State laying four and a half. I are wait
1: for that one not to hit and then tech- Oklahoma-Texas to hit for you because that's we're, exactly no, what's no, going to happen. We're rolling
0: with the Horned Frogs. We're rolling with the Horned Frogs. Um, I'm, I'm just jinxing teams here now. So TCU, four and a half uh, over Kansas State on the road. Matt, what do you got?
1: Um, I'm actually coming off a loss myself. Uh, it's rare, but it happens. Um, um I, the had, I, had, I had on. Louisville at, at, at NC State on Thursday night. That didn't go well. I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing between two here. I, I, I'm looking at Washington State minus 13 and a half at Cal. But, you know, those Pac-12 road night games, I think it's even on a Friday too. Those can get tricky. So I think I'm going to stay away from that. Uh, gonna, give the people I'm, something to watch late night. <laughs> I mean, you want to watch that one, watch it. It's Mike Leach football. If you don't watch that late night, you're an idiot. What do you um, got? I'm going to go West Virginia minus three at home against Texas Tech. Uh, I okay. love Texas Tech. Love their offense. Uh, but I still just think that's a tough road game for them to go into and win. And West Virginia at minus three, really all you got to do is win that game to at least, it, it, you rarely see the two point or the one point win. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say they at least get the push there and give me a tie. But I, I think they get the win. I think they come back, bounce back after a pretty solid performance against TCU. And uh, that offense finds itself a little bit again.
0: All righty. Well, those are our locks of the week. Fade us as you may. Matt, I got a grievance. Let's hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt. Uh, yesterday was just kind of the culmination of this grievance on Monday Night Football, but we've seen it all season, at all levels, in all sports, to be fair. Over-officiating is becoming an issue. Yesterday's Bears-Vikings game, you could argue, was decided by over-officiating. Early in the game, Jordan Howard, beautiful long run, gets called back, touchdown run, gets called back on a ho- on a phantom holding call. Uh, there was a bad holding call late in the game. Kind of a ticky-tack call on Leonard Floyd that extended the drive, took the Vikings deeper into field goal range. Uh, it was. It seemed like there was no pace to the game. Uh, even the announcers, Gruden was getting annoyed by it. They are slowing down an already slow game, and it's becoming annoying. And when it's your team, it's it's becoming extremely perturbing because it it. Really sucks to watch a game decided by non players, by referees. And last night seemed like it was the Jerome Boger show. Seemed like we wanted to hear him lisp about holding calls all after, or all night long. And you made a good point, Matt. Holding is such an objective call now. And it's, 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 it's occurring on every play. And unless that arm's extended, you can't call it. And, there's been over-officiating everywhere. At the college level, it's becoming an issue because the bigger issue in terms of marketing these games and these teams is keeping eyes on the game and keeping attention on the game. Yes, you have to police the game for things like targeting and and penalties that are going to more often than not result in injury, your crackbacks, your cut blocks. Keep the game safe as it can be, but at the same time, let guys play. These are monsters. These are physical anomalies going at each other on the field. Yeah, there's gonna be a ticky tack hold call here or there. If you want to affect the game, throw the flag. But I don't think it's a ref's job to affect the game. It's a ref's job to police the game. So I think that there's some over officiating going on at all levels of football right now.
1: Uh that that was pretty well said. I don't think I could agree with you anymore.
0: Yeah, it's um it's just a tough it's tough, especially when you're when your team's out there and when you know you're not going to win many football games in a season, to have a game somewhat decided on penalties is uh, is very unfortunate. So, and you,
1: one but, thing you touched on too there was targeting, um, which which I I think what they've started to do is, is the right call. You know, when in doubt, throw the flag, and then we can review it and all that. stuff. Yeah, they but seem
0: to be getting that right. The,
1: the one thing I don't think they're getting right about it though is I don't remember the last time I've seen them overturn a targeting injection call, and yeah. I. I I, I I don't think you're gonna throw overthrow the overturn the penalty, but you can overturn the ejection. If I'm wrong, then I'm, I'm sorry. But that's what I, I thought. That's what it is.
0: That's yeah. Like there
1: was in the Northwestern Penn State game. I forget the name. The senior safety. He's one of their better players. Got called for a targeting later in the game. I think it was the fourth quarter when the game was kind of out of hand. He was going in to make a tackle as I think it was Barkley was falling out of bounds, and you could see him clearly turn his head away and try as he was going down on you know to to get the 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 back. He was trying to turn his head away and lead with the shoulder and the side of his helmet kind of grazed the the front of the, the, I think it was Barkley, their backup running back's helmet, and yeah. then called for targeting, reviewed it, and ejected the kid. Which yeah, I thought, I think- it, it's stuff like that. Like they, they If you're going to review targeting, actually review it and overturn some of these. Because I don't just say you're reviewing it to review it and then keep the ejection. Because I, I know we want to keep the game safe, but at the same time, that kid shouldn't have to sit a half yeah. if it wasn't really targeting. That's what's going to happen. He's suspended now, I think, for the first half next week. Yep in a game for them that matters in, in bowl uh, eligibility.
0: Yeah, I uh, I agree with you there, Matt. And I think that, you know, I'm going to kind of contradict myself last week when we were talking about the Trevathan hit. You can never insume malicious intent. But I think you when you're making a targeting call and either overruling or upholding a call like that, intent has to be a part of it. It was not his intention to hit that man in the helmet. Yeah. It was two guys whose pad level changed. I think that has to be taken into account also. If a guy's leading with the crown of his helmet, as Danny Trevathan is, I get that. Yeah. But if a guy, I think that's when you're. That's when the definition targeting comes into play. You are targeting a person with a point of your helmet. That kid on Northwestern was not using his helmet as a weapon. He mm-hmm. was not using a given point on his helmet as his lead point. So I think that's that's where intent kind of has to come into the call
1: here. Totally agree with you. And I, just, I, I think that's something they need to look into going forward. I agree, Matt. Haven't.
0: Let's let's jump into a little buy or sell here. All right, you want to you start us off? I'll lead us off. All, All right, right. Ask me uh, a question. This one got a little bit fringe. You know, we like to keep it sports here on the mm. Moose and Runes podcast. But uh, buy or sell Cam Newton's apology after he kind of stuck his foot in his mouth after making some unnecessary comments about a female reporter uh, earlier on in the week. Um, kind of a... Uh, a conspicuous and interesting uh, apologies. It was just weird. It
1: um, seemed
0: scripted, and it was poorly mic'd. I know. Yeah, it I'm, doesn't...
1: I'm going to kind of sell it. And for the most part, like what I, I don't really like about this is he's trying to like. I, I think wearing the he wore the the uh, the pin. Uh, I forget the name of the pin, but the the woman flexing her arm on his hat the other Rosie day. It, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Uh, he wore that. And I, honestly, for for me, like the way I see Cam Newton, and you know, having followed him as an athlete the last few years and all that. Seems like he's just kind of taking this as somewhat of a of a joke, and he's trying to make light of a situation that I think really doesn't deserve light. I think he needs to give a sincere apology and should be yeah. very sorry for what he said because uh, I think it was just an absolutely stupid, asinine, and offensive comment. Um, no, yes, I just I, Kim, to me knowing Cam, it seems like he's he has trouble separating when to be serious and when to joke around. Unless he loses, exactly you know, unless he loses a big game, then he has no problem. You know, getting serious and kind of shying away and and, changing up that attitude a little bit. But I I think he needs to to grow up a little bit and and acknowledge the seriousness of the situation and not, you know, smile when he's making an apology or make, I think, sarcastic
0: gestures. You know, you hit the nail on the head there, Matt. And Cam's got daughters, he's got a wife, he understands the current political. Socio climate that we live in. You can't make comments like that. There's no place for that anywhere in any workplace, but Cam loves Cam way too much. And I think he gets caught up in his head and he thinks he's too cute. And he makes comments like this that he then chokes on his tongue, you know, mm-hmm. everything beyond that point. You're still getting cute Cam, even in the apology, cute Cam is still coming through. And I think cute Cam needs to just play football because what he did on the field was a very impressive this past week, especially after taking the scrutiny that he did. Yeah, he was but fantastic. Cute Cam needs to shut his mouth and play football because that's what he's at his best and not getting in his own way. This is the guy who was who was accused of stealing laptops. This is the guy who had to change schools. We forget all of these players' histories, and I think that's a good thing. I think that Cam has worked from those points. But Cam still finds a way to get in his own way from time to time, and I think this is another example of that.
1: Totally agree. Um, yeah. let's, let's move it on here. Hit me. Buy or sell, Joe, Dusty Baker's handling of game three as a fireable offense if they lose this series.
0: Uh, I know we touched on it and it might be the linchpin to him being fired, but as a sole decision, I'm going to sell on it as a fireable offense. Um, it did cost them a game essentially, but both coach, both managers, like we said, over managing Joe, Joe has made a couple decisions that if they lose the series, you could pose the same question, but it's an obvious no. It's an obvious yeah. so You're not going to fire him over it. I think Dusty Baker's still a very solid manager. Um, getting into the twilight years of his managing career, he's got to be up there, almost in his seventies now. Um, been doing it for a long time, so I don't know what Washington's feeling is on it. Was was he in a hot seat position where this could be the linchpin? Like you know, I, I
1: think everybody there has been in that hot every yeah. manager just because they have they haven't made it out of the NLDS yet, but they always seem to have this. Great team every year. Roster, high, yeah, you know, this loaded pitching staff or <laughs> lineup, and this year it seems to be both. And now it looks like they're going to be out in you know four or five games, and that that I think everybody is on the hot seat on here to your basis. There,
0: yeah. So I'm going to sell it, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, things do go awry in Washington.
1: I think the, Max, one of the things with that Scherzer decision too was he just saw Joe Madden make the same exact mistake in front of him. That's true. That was the one thing that – one of the things that bothered me. But let's go on. Sorry.
0: Yeah. No, you're good. All right. Um, It is celebration season. We've seen a few of them already uh, at the tail end of the regular season and now in the playoffs. Buy or sell, Matt, champagne ski goggles. Are celebrations getting too soft?
1: Uh, I mean if you want to wear them, that's fine. Um, Everyone's wearing them now though. It used to be a few guys. It's. I, I guess you're right, and I. You know, I, I know I'm going to switch to you here because I haven't watched too many of the celebrations, but I'm going to take your word for it. Okay. And now that I, I do think about, I, I when the the Cubs clinched the division, I was working and I saw some of the behind the scenes shots before they're getting ready to locker and all that stuff on TV, and they basically have like these tables full of just the ski goggles lined the goggles, up like. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't force it on me if you want if players want to wear them great, but let's not you know hand each player a pair and make them put it on their head and all do Yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm gonna.
0: I'm going to sell it, I think. These baseball players are getting soft, man. I tell you. I, do, on, Sorry, I, I might sound a little in. bit
1: uh, – yeah, I know you didn't. I, I appreciate <laughs> it. it. It's a good but I, I think the one thing that I might sound like an old man here is I I don't get the celebration after like every small minor accomplishment in baseball. I, like, Do I you really change. need champagne after clinching the wild – or after you win in a division in – you know, That's the one I don't like. After the Dodgers clinched the division in – Like September, do you mid September? Do you need to celebrate with champagne?
0: No, you just wanted to go celebrate, obviously. But yeah, I don't, I don't need. Do I need the the cameras in my face? Champagne? No, No. it's. it's I don't need the locker room celebration after the clinch at each level of the playoffs. I think it's good. Um, The one game wild card is another one that you could argue a little bit, but uh, even level of the playoffs is a little much for me. Matt, you uh, you just want them to go about their business. Yeah, go about your business. You're like old Steinbrenner. Like you win a World Series. The Yankees, you win a World the Series. You
1: can get the champagne out as much as you want, but until you won <laughs> it, until you won that, you still got work to do. I like it. Hit me, Matt. All right, uh, this is going to be great radio. Um, okay. But Joe, did you see the the uniforms the Florida Gators are wearing this weekend?
0: I did, and I wish I I wish that I didn't. They are Gator scaled from top to bottom. Yeah, I, they
1: they're army green. Gators if you haven't scale, seen
0: them yet, if you haven't seen them yet, avoid them at all costs. I would say they, go to
1: ESPN.com and check them out. Avoid I'll, them.
0: Avoid I'll say them at there all there are
1: two things about them that I like. And for, and for the most part, I'm going to sell
0: them. One, the players won't be naked. What's the second one?
1: Well, First off, I think the helmets are kind of cool. I think, I, I think the helmets And two, if I were a Florida Gators player, I'd be wearing those spikes every single
0: game. I'd be so pissed if I had to wear this on a football I would field. be wearing Joe. You would love it if you were. A I, would not, you I would not. I like. I like the flashiness. I like some organs. I like, but I think you're reading me wrong in the sense that teams that have such classic, great-looking uniforms have a, more of a pressure on them to have their alternates look good as well. Florida has one of the best uniforms in college football. I've always loved Florida's uniforms. Tennessee's got a great uniform. If we want to talk NFL, I hate the Packers, but that color combination is beautiful. So when they put when they put on those disgusting circle in the middle of the jersey BS jerseys, it it bothers me to no end. If you gotta kind of throw away, like if the Jags want to wear an alternate, go ahead. Every week looks like they're in an alternate. If the if the Rams want to wear their throwbacks, perfect. I think the yellow and blues look better than the shit that they're wearing. So, (laughs) Joe, we don't
1: have that explicit tag. I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. Jerseys get me a little fired up. I'm selling on the florida gators whatever this amphibious reptile jersey is that <laughs> we're wearing this
1: week we've even this is episode 24 now yeah leave it to you to the most fired up you have ever been on this
0: podcast <laughs> is a fashion topic that is not not true. only a fashion more, topic a football fashion topic i've what been more, fired up you've been, been by far? i've been more fired up than that that's not true Matt, you, yeah that you came out of the gates a little,
1: you came out of the but, gates a little fired up the first couple to to, to, to get some ratings spark the ratings a little bit but since not then, for this ratings because
0: the, most... the bears were making me pull my hair out but the decision looked all right matt you had a nice transition there but we just blew it uh hit us with our mailbag question
1: <laughs> oh oh yeah so uh i'll full disclosure rob gallick has been has been pumping this question for a long time since since just before labor day to be exact a um, fashion but, question it is coming from the
0: coming from the king of sweatpants hey it's the type of <laughs> green sweatpants <laughs>
1: I'm just going to read the the exact text message he sent me here, word for word. Okay. I think no white after Labor Day is an outdated societal fashion rule, and Labor Day is too early of a day to stop. I understand the rule, but it should be pushed back to either Columbus Day or Veterans Day.
0: Well, your thoughts? My thoughts on this one, seeing as how they're trying to do with do away with Columbus Day, I'm going to skate around that one. We'll we'll call it Veterans. We'll call it Veterans Day. Um, I don't think there should be a cutoff at all. If it's nice out, it's sunny out, throw your white jeans on, Rob Gallick. You do you. You go white snake on them, and you do whatever you need to do. I, I don't – fashion rules, I think that they're a little overrated. You wear what you like to wear. If you think that you look good, you're going to walk around like you look good. So if you want to throw some white on after Labor Day, you have my blessing, Rob Gallick. I, I will be doing the same.
1: Now that you brought it up, um, can, we, can we pitch in and buy Rob a pair of white jeans? Yeah, we kind of because I do that. feel like I would I would pay good money to see Rob Gallagher like, walking around downtown super, Chicago in white jeans,
0: super skinny white jeans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we got to like do that. It.
1: I'm just going <laughs> to defer to you on this one because you're, okay. I'm, you're the fashion guy. Yeah. I don't. It's it's just a color, just like any other. So if you want to wear it, um, wear it.
0: Yeah, that's I my. Think that um, you do your like, job. So here's here's a perfect example. If I'm let's say heading down to South Beach for a weekend, well, because Miami's different, Joe. Next, it's exactly. Culture. So you can't you can't just apply these rules regionally. That that's not fair. So I think that uh, if the see, white looks good, if the white looks Ford. good and it's is a different. Uh, no, if Ford the white different- looks good and it's a sunny day, rock it. Okay, well there there
1: you have you, Rob. You know what? If Rob, <laughs> I, I know you're going to be listening probably a little bit later than normal, but if you want to wear white, you go ahead and wear white till November, till January, whenever the hell
0: you want it, buddy. You wear, you you wear whatever it. you want. You wear it whenever you want. Let's move on. That, that's talking fashion on the to this podcast. Uh, all right, Matt, best thing you saw this week?
1: You know, I, I, I this is something I wanted to touch on last week, but I got to Wes, Wesleyan's win over Wheaton because I think that overshadowed it. Um, uh-huh. I'm going to go with, with Bryce Love out in Stanford. Um, okay. I think he's getting very much overlooked, likely because of what Saquon Barkley is doing uh, at Penn State. I'm going to pull up the exact stats here. Bryce Love is absolutely killing it. He's, I think, he's on pace to break Christian McCaffrey's um, total yards record. He has 1,200 yards through six games. Man. He's averaging 10 yards a carry on 118 carries through yeah. six games. This is ridiculous. He's got nine touchdowns in six games. This, ten yards a carry, ten and a half yards a carry is unbelievable. He, he like Josh Adams. It seems like he's good for at least one, if not two. You know, fifty-plus yard touchdown runs a game, and it's getting overshadowed a little bit because he plays out west. He plays on a weeknight sometimes, whatever. But I think this is a guy that if he keeps this pace, it'd be a crime to not have him in New York and not get serious consideration to win the Heisman. So he had another big one against Utah this week. Um, let's see, he had 152 yards on 20 carries, only averaged a measly 7.6 yards a carry, but he had a 68-yard touchdown run. So I'm going to go with Bryce Love
0: doing so what he's doing out in Stanford. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you're feeling the love. I guess feeling the, uh, There you go, Joe. Sorry, um, that was terrible. <laughs> all right, my uh, my. I'm going to give us a best and a worst this week. Oh, oh wow, that's, my best. Wish we my best. you would have told you we were going worst. But Sorry, make my me look best, bad. I think uh, yesterday was was off the bat at Anthony Rizzo. Just the passion that you saw him exude in that moment in the playoffs. That was great stuff, and uh, you know that's the type of stuff that gets Cubs fans. And baseball fans on the edge of their seat. That's, uh, that's kind of why they play the game and why we watch the game. So big kudos to Anthony Rizzo. That's my best of the week. My worst of the week is, uh, just the rampant injuries that have uh, that have hit the NFL and college football it's obviously something you have to deal with but it seems like in the last year two years um it's happening to superstars and it's happening at a higher rate than it ever has before NFL loses their two biggest non-quarterback names in a matter of 25 minutes last week um in Odell Beckham Jr with a broken ankle And uh, J.J. Watt with a broken leg. So hoping the best for everyone and all those injuries and speedy recoveries because the game needs them. And uh, just a shame that we have to continue to watch these guys go down at such a rapid rate. It's obviously uh, stung the Bears over the last few years and uh, all teams seeming to deal with it at a higher rate. So that's my worst of the week.
1: Well, there you go. that That was well said, Joe. I didn't know we had worst of the week, so... Well, well, I did it, man. Trying to make me look bad, but that's fine. No, I'm not sure. No, it's I, fine. Wanna, no. I Joe, a little it's, something no, extra, no, little something no, extra at the end of the podcast because no, you fine. get
0: to shut him down this week. Yeah, but you, right? got the,
1: you got the grievance, so that's how it works. That's how we balance yeah, these yeah, things out, that, Joe. That is usually
0: how we do it. Yeah. So right. you well, would you like, okay, here, this is this is Matt's minute. doesn't have to be assigned. Say something to the people, Matt.
1: Worst thing I saw all week was Aaron Rodgers ripping my heart out again.
0: All right, okay, we well, just was gonna you gonna go landed that. I was going to go on a, go on stuck a tangent that.
1: of a bad gambling beat, but I'll, 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 I'll
0: spare the listeners there. <laughs> you stuck that landing, Matt. Why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down.
1: All right, well, I'm going uh, to go with a similar vein to the worst thing I saw with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, over the past few years, it kind of seems like the notion of, you know, with, with Brady and with, you know, when Manning retired and Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger, all the, the best quarterbacks was were, were getting towards the other twilight years in the NFL. Granted, Rodgers still has a while, but that's not where I'm getting at. Um, and that the quarterback position was kind of like starting to die a little bit, and people were saying, "You know, when's the next? You know, there's there's no really next wave to take over. Um, there's no next, you know, torchbearer, I guess, to come grab and be the best guy in the league. And while I don't know if we'll ever see a guy who wins five Super Bowls again, or a guy who's quite as good or as great of a thrower as Aaron Rodgers is." Uh, I think the the quarterback position in the NFL right now might be in as good of a spot as we could hope going forward. While you got those guys in the twilight of their careers, you got a guy like Matthew Stafford, who looks like he's on pace for a career year. You got Deshaun Watson, who has, I think, 10 touchdowns in his last two games. Jared Goff looks like he's starting to figure it out in St. Louis under Sean McVay, or Los Angeles under Sean McVay. Russell Wilson still, you know, got a, a few years, left, a lot of years left out in Seattle. Uh, Dak Prescott, obviously. Kirk Cousins is having a great year. Carson Wentz looks like he might be able to be kind of one of the, the top, next top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm sure I'm missing a couple here. Derek Carr, how oh, could I forget my preseason MVP pick? Marcus Marriott. The fact that I'm able to name all these and it seems like the list is getting long. I think it's a little bit surprising given where the league was a few years ago when when you had um, really after the top four or five, a massive drop off in the NFL. And it's nice to see the return of these, these top tier quarterbacks actually coming through in the draft and being guys who look like they can, you know, be super bowl winners, be division winners, be, you know, impact players in playoff games and all that, not just drafting a game manager and hoping to build around them because football is a much better game when you have quarterbacks like that who can, like we talked about with Trubisky, hope to see guys like that take you know take the reins in fourth quarters and lead fourth quarter drives, and not necessarily you know rely on defense and special teams only to win football games. Football's in a better spot when they have quarterbacks dueling, going back and forth. Um, and I, I think we're getting to a spot where we're going to be secure in the future for the next couple of years. And I think that's uh, where with where we were a few years ago, it's it's a, it's a nice thing to see.
0: Yeah, quarterback position in a great place, Matt. And uh, as you said, the game is better. When, I didn't uh, even mention Mitch. When the field generals, I was going to say you didn't. Uh, you didn't mention the Ten God. It was but uh, it was he will. Uh, hopefully, he will earn his way onto that list in the coming weeks and coming years, Matt. Uh, always a pleasure, listeners. Thank you for tuning in. That's going to do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, episode twenty-four, our Kobe Ladder Years podcast, if you will. Uh, as as always. Like us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You could like, like us on Twitter too. Like us, share us. Jump on SoundCloud wherever you listen. We appreciate your viewership, your listenership. Uh, it means the world to us. Continue to send us those uh, fashion-forward mailbag questions or Joe whatever loves questions. Whatever questions you have for us here at Moose and Roons, we love to field them, and we love to uh, give you guys what you want here on a Tuesday morning. Enjoy your Cubs baseball, enjoy your Bears football, and go Hawks, go. That's going to do it for the Moose and Roons podcast, episode 24. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Have a great week, friends.